0: Welcome to Kicking It Local, the podcast all about the football community in South Australia. I'm your host, Johnny Kecko, and today I am joined by an exciting guest because we've got the biggest sporting event in the world. In women's football, right here on our doorsteps next year in 2023. And the person who's involved heavily in it in South Australia, she's the general manager of Women's World Cup Adelaide and also the legacy plan as well here in South Australia for football South Australia. I'm joined by Kimberly Conte. Thank you so much for joining me, Kimberly. Uh,
1: thank you so much for having me today. It's my pleasure.
0: Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this because the Women's World Cup, I'm excited. It's going to be on our doorstep. We've got the Men's World Cup in, a couple, in about a month's time. The best thing is that we're finally going to have a World Cup here in Australia on our doorstep and I can't wait to uh, to be able to go and attend some matches and looking forward to talking in depth with you about the World Cup but uh, we're going to do this episode in two parts because it's exciting times because this week there's a big event in South Australia with hosting a, a live stream of the draw of the World Cup draw and we're going to find out who is going to be here in South Australia playing their games here how exciting is that to uh, to have this event it's only the first of many of these world cup events here in south australia
1: it's really exciting it feels real now you know we've had all this planning going on for so long and you talk about it so much which is great but to actually have a real event and that means it's actually really coming uh, is just the first like you said in a host of many events that we're going to do here we're really excited on saturday we've got so many women's teams coming out to play from both the african nations cup and the Copa America from South America. So that'll be really exciting. We've got Adelaide United's team coming out to run a training session here. All is open to the public. And, of course, like you said, live broadcast at the draw at 5 o'clock. Yeah. So it should be really exciting. You know, I mean, I think we've all in the office talked about who we want to see here in Adelaide. And, of course, there's a varied uh, opinions. But uh, for me, of course, the USA would be fantastic uh, to see here. But then you know, any of the teams, no matter who they are, the story of how they got here and to have them actually here in Adelaide for the first time. I'm not sure that uh, people are aware of how big this is yet.
0: No, I don't think they are because it's going to be massive. I'm looking, I've never been to a World Cup in my life. I've always dreamed of one, but now to finally go to one here in our hometown is going to be great. And not only are we going to get games at Cooper Stadium, um, which is just around the corner from me, but we've got five local venues, including where you are in foot, um, your headquarters, Football South australia at service fm stadium they're going to be having uh hosting some teams there as well training and home bases as well so how exciting is that to have certain teams based right here training in our local venues yeah
1: it is really exciting again for the general public to know that that caliber of talent is sitting here at our doorstep like you said earlier Mm. and that's a really exciting thing because the day after the draw i saw the two days after the draw sorry monday Uh, The countries that drew Adelaide have the opportunity to come here and see all of the training facilities and base camps. So it'll be a whirlwind trip for them. But again, that's just another one of those events that we uh, realize that it's really coming in 2023.
0: Yeah, that's going to be exciting. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting to you again. Part two, we're going to be chatting to you, and the draw will be done by that stage. Those teams have already arrived in Adelaide and checked out their home bases. So we'll get to talk a bit more in depth about that later. But the team that you did mention, that you want to be based the USA, and that is because obviously that's where you were born, Santa Barbara, California, to be exact. What was it like being uh, growing up in Santa Barbara in California?
1: Uh, it, was, it was it was great, uh, really great spot to live. Beautiful weather most of the year round, so it's really a great spot to be in sport, no matter what sport that is. You can almost always be outside. Um, I lived there until I was around 11 and then moved up to North Idaho. So I got to experience all, all the snow sports from that time forward and then didn't move back to California until I was at university. So uh, fantastic to grow up was small and quiet. It's not small and quiet now, but it was when I, when I started out there. And again, just being able to have the opportunity to be outside all the time. My family encouraged us to be outside. Uh, So, yeah, it was a great
0: spot to be. Santa Barbara, known for its beaches and its uh, mountains as well. Did your family always grow up around sport? I
1: did, yeah. I have have a lot of thanks to my grandfather, who was a real inspiration to my whole family. Uh, Most of the time, just because he didn't let us sit down long enough to do anything. (laughs) But, you know, as kids, you're not interested in that anyways. He was forever... Uh, dragging us out to go. Uh, we're lucky with Santa Barbara, not only do you have beaches, but we have really spectacular mountain ranges right behind us. So um, I grew up cycling and running and hiking all through those canyons as a kid. And it was a fantastic opportunity to just have some freedom and get lost, and either head out on the bike or had it on a hike with my grandparents and uh, spent a couple of hours in the back country. So it's not really a special place to be growing
0: up. I remember seeing, reading somewhere where your grandfather was running up until the age of 80 and then also after that walking a minimum of 50 kilometers a week up until the age of 101. That's incredible. Do you have you got that same fitness?
1: Uh, I wish that I did, but I, I think about him all the time. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've had my moments, probably, but um, he was re- absolutely an inspiration to me. I. I um, i got a lot of my early fitness from him and encouragement from him to to do that and then just as i got under my 20s i think i got a bit lazy (laughs) and then it was a little bit later into my life when i i kind of just rediscovered running um but particularly throughout triathlon so i was a competitive triathlete for uh, quite a few years um and i really enjoyed that sport loved uh loved the community that it had uh and that's actually where i got involved uh, in soccer slash football as well was in Santa Barbara so really um, happy to have been a part of that
0: what was the um the first role you did within that was it voluntary or was it more um... yeah
1: yeah so uh, both in cycling and in uh, in soccer i started out as a volunteer i um, i knew that when i had my kids that i wanted uh, soccer to be the first sport that they were involved with i just i loved the sport myself and as a young person i gravitated towards individual sports mostly because being as a female there weren't any team sports available to me i um played touch football for as long as i could until about 12 and then that wasn't quite the best atmosphere for me anymore and then just kept on the individual sport route so i knew when i had my own children that i really wanted them to start out in soccer it's such a great sport for young kids uh, such good community friendships and then the skills It doesn't require a whole lot, but at the beginning, we know that it does at a high level, but for kids, it's perfect. So that's how I kind of got involved with that. I volunteered through my kids into sport when they were about four into soccer and uh, just kind of went from there. Yeah, so I was lucky enough with cycling to volunteer for a local uh, event that was coming into my town and fortunate to get picked up by the same company, big event management company, and work within cycling for the next 15 years, which
0: was great. Oh, wow. What was that company that you eventually ended up working for?
1: Um, I worked for a company called Metalist Sport, which is still in existence today, and yeah, did a lot of work for them uh, within the cycling and event space. So that was uh, kind of the first time I kind of cut my teeth uh, in that industry, and uh, it was exciting and fast-paced, and particularly for Americans, not dissimilar to the World Cup, uh, to see international cycling come into the United States was a real rarity. So, of course, it drew huge crowds. And we, I would expect to see the same thing once we have World Cup here. Again, it's not an opportunity we get every day. So, for those out, who are out there waiting, you should definitely go out and purchase those tickets because, again, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us to see that high-level caliber of athlete playing here in Adelaide
0: yeah i'm very excited i haven't got my tickets just yet but i'm definitely going to go to try and get to every single game in adelaide i'm looking forward to that but a little bit more about your background so when you got into the sport did when you started volunteering did you ever get into voluntary uh work within sport with the idea of eventually someday working in it or was it just doing it for the pure love at the beginning
1: i, I just did it because well especially for soccer because they needed someone and then, then they needed someone to help out at a club level and then it Needed someone to think uh, for women, particularly um, in California, it, it's a real religion for young girls to, to play soccer. So uh, to see that and to see so many young people in general out playing the sport every weekend uh, was fantastic. I spent a lot of time on the sidelines, which is great as a parent and uh, great as a volunteer. But I never, ever thought that in other cycling or in football, that i'd have a, a job or a career in those but delighted that that's come about
0: yeah and, and not just any job as well you've ended up moving to australia um and that's where you started working for the tour down under but what made you move from sunny uh, california down to here in south australia
1: ah that's a good question I, my husband actually uh we met at the tour de georgia which was an international bike race not dissimilar to the tour de france uh he had been hired to come across and work on a motorbike you know so he's a pilot of a motorbike with the photographer on the back and uh, I went to uh, volunteer um, at that event, and that's where we met. So, oh, wow. yeah, no, we spent quite a few years uh, only seeing each other at bike races uh, if we were contracted to the same event. And then I moved here in two thousand ten. Two
0: thousand ten. So you've been here twelve years now. What's your favorite highlight of being in South Australia?
1: I love it here. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, I love being in Adelaide. Love South Australia. Um, yeah, I just it's it's a great. Sp- Combination. I mean, if you get out again, we, we do have winter, but we can still get outside almost every day and do something. There's not really too many excuses why you can't get out for a run or out on the bike. Just such a great state to live in. We uh, have a good community here. Uh, people here love sport. One thing I love about Australia in general is their love of sport and the support of sport. Um, we do have that in America, but I think here it's it's bigger and better. So, yeah. Delighted
0: to be in South Australia. Yeah, in America, there it's obviously a lot different um, landscape with sporting industry here than it is here. With obviously the, the college football and um, and all that over there mm. is totally different level to what we have in South Australia. But from working now within um, within football and also your uh, cycling as well. How could you compare the two, um, the two different countries, the, the way the sport is um, perceived?
1: Oh, um, look! I think both countries have a, a great love for their own athletes, and then they're yeah. really supportive of their athletes. But Australia just goes that one <laughs> level higher. Um, I think uh, I remember the first time I went to a country pub. I don't even know where we were in the middle of nowhere. A few hours out, and I we were there for a cycling championship, and I was trying to talk to somebody at the at the bar about what we were doing, and I didn't think he'd understand cycling. and he's like, are you kidding me? You know, I I know all about the Tour de France, I know all about this thing, so I love how people here in South Australia, across Australia, really support the sport, they know all about it, Um, and it's like front page news here. Whereas in America, it is big business, and you're right, we, we do have huge things with the collegiate teams, Probably the main differences, I would say, in America and here in Australia is we've got the collegiate system that's really strong in, the, in America. And so in the early 70s, the t- Title IX came into place in the United States, which granted women's teams and women's players the ability to have uh, equal footing within the university system. And that really bred a whole new level of athlete. Uh, People encouraged their young girls to play the sport because there was that potential college scholarship, but also because there was good pathways and good development. So I think here in Australia, we're really fortunate, while we don't have that same type of a system, we have really strong pathways, and I hope that young girls and women can see start to see growth in that pathway system, and that they see that there's a place, so whether they're a, a grassroots player, a, a, an entry-level player, whether they go all over the top, wherever they land, that they still have a space in the sport here.
0: Absolutely, and you've played a big role in women's sport in South Australia as well. In your 12 years you've been here, you've also... Always- most recently, you um, worked for as the uh, the race director for the women women's uh, tour down under. What was that like um, being able to work in that sector of that tournament in South Australia?
1: Uh, I'm really proud of the work that we did there. Uh, that was definitely a team effort, but I was really proud to lead that effort. Um, when I took the event on, it was a fairly small race, but had been in place for a few years here locally and well run. But it was ready to go to the next level, which was an international ranking. So that was the first time it had an international ranking when I took over in 2016. And I just knew that we could do better. We could. I could design courses that could showcase Women and their abilities better. I could give them the opportunity to stretch into ground to show that women's racing and women's sport is really exciting to come and watch. That was really my main goal. I'm really proud of the fact that we were one of the first races to offer equal prize money to both men and women around the world, uh, and that was thanks to the South Australian government uh, for that and the push from the government for that. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to be involved and to see enormous growth in the sport and i i think it's no surprise that when you put funding towards something the outcome three to five years later can be just astronomical and we're seeing that with uh women's football as well
0: yeah well you just said something very interesting it was um you wanted to make uh, women's sport uh, exciting to watch in australia i think some of the things people get with the women's sport especially with the w league which took a long time to to build to where it is now women's sport seems to be second to the men's sport unfortunately um because some people don't think to be, see it as exciting but what are some of the challenges you have to try and change that perception because i've been to a lot of female football games and some other female sports as well and uh, especially in the cricket female cricket as well and mm-hmm. just as exciting most of these games as the men's sport but the perception seems to be the opposite but how hard is it in your role to Especially with the tour down under, to try and change that perception.
1: It it is a challenge. Um, but when I was really ready to take on uh, and showcase, because again, my job is to set the scene for the event. So it's by designing race courses that are technically, you know, sound, but that also provide opportunity. When you provide, anyone, no matter what type of an athlete they are, with an opportunity to attack. Uh, to lead, to sprint, whatever it might be in cycling, um, all of a sudden you provide an opportunity and they'll, they'll, athletes will take that. It doesn't matter if they're a male or a female. If you know who the audience or the the role of the, uh, how am going to say this? If you know who you are preparing your event for, and then you know the audience that you're trying to capture, it's just trying to ma- marriage the two up or mirror the two up. Um, for me, that was really important that whatever courses I designed really showcase the talents of the types of riders that I was trying to contract and bring across. And really, football is no different. Um, you know, we, we see the same thing. Uh, the more infrastructure that comes in, the more money that comes in to, to help the sport, the more we see women supporting the sport and men supporting it then the more growth we see and the better the game becomes and the more exciting. I mean, all you have to do is watch any of the games in, in Europe this year and women's football, and they're just amazing to watch.
0: You've led in perfectly to where you're currently working, Football South Australia. You're the head um, of the w- Women's World Cup, Adelaide, and Legacy. So that's your title. What's led you to working now in football? Because we know you had a little bit of experience back in um, in the US working within football, but now you've taken a leap from tour down under to now working at the uh at during for the World Cup, but here in Adelaide. So, what what led you to taking this role?
1: I think um one of the big factors for me was the legacy piece out of this. To be involved in a sport that is so committed to leaving a legacy, to not just coming in and having an event, which is so great. We want to see events here. Ah. We want to see big events here, but to be able to really provide a legacy for the the players that are here, and that's all the way from grassroots all the way through to elite players. If we don't have grassroots players. will never have elite players. So to provide a legacy, to provide infrastructure, more places for boys and girls to play, um, we've been really involved in the school's leagues recently, and it's so great to see, you know, 100 brand new girls playing football, and 80% of them had never even touched a ball three months ago. To see that kind of development uh, that's really satisfying and really impactful to the community and hopefully really impactful to women's sport in the long run. Um, that legacy piece also includes leadership for young girls and women. We know that when athletes transition out of sport, and they need to have a clear pathway. What are their options to stay in the sport, to stay in touch with the sport that they love, whether they come back and play at a later date, whether they want to be involved in broadcast or in other leadership roles like officiating and coaching, that's part of the legacy plan is providing those clear pathways and doing as, as much as we can in that short period in the short window of the Women's World Cup to try and promote that. And of course, in as participation, trying to get as many girls out to come and play and come experience the game for the first time. We know the girls will try lots of different sports and we hope that they do. But if we can be that first touch point for them and we can provide a safe space for them to come and play, then we've done our job.
0: Well, the legacy plan is an interesting one because we've seen some things already come out of it, and Jepps Cross, uh, the Service FM Stadium, is one of those. Um, it's providing infrastructure for the football community, but and women's foot, sport. But um, for you, in, coming from a sport back with a sport background, is the legacy plan that we have in place. Is that something you see regularly in these type of tournaments and sporting um, environments? That's
1: a really good question and the answer to that's no. Uh, we do, we do see events that so we do and most events will have a topic of cause or a charity that they support um which is excellent and really really a big piece of the puzzle but that legacy plan um is doesn't always happen with sport. So we've got such an opportunity on the back of Women's World Cup to promote so many things not just within women's football but across women's sport here in south australia to try and support athletes and one of the other things we're trying to do really uh, well here is to bring other sports together uh leaders from other sports to discuss our successes to discuss our challenges uh, the more we work together the better sport will be for south australia
0: absolutely i think you put that well and i'm looking forward to that because it's the future looks bright because it's actually forced now the um it's forced the uh, A-League to try and promote the women's team as well. Because now we're going to see, for the first time in, twenty, I think it's 2023-24, we're going to see 22 games, which is the most um, we'll see in the, uh, in the women's league nationally. And if it wasn't for the World Cup, I don't think we would see that happen as soon as it is and putting that focus on it. Um, do you think it's going to continue after the World Cup as well and even become... Um, a lot stronger?
1: Uh, that, that's a big part of the legacy plan is sustainability. How do, how do we keep sustainability across things? How do we make sure that financially it's viable? How do we make sure that we have space that's available? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big jigsaw puzzle that we try to fit all the pieces in. But I, I think it will. Yeah. I think the commitments here, I think the inspiration that we're going to see here, not just in Adelaide, but across Australia and New Zealand in seeing those teams here I really hope for young girls um, that they really take up the opportunity to come and play. And again, even if they don't stay in the sport, we hope they do. But even if they don't, that we've had that first touch point for them.
0: Absolutely. And uh, well, quickly before we wrap things up in part one, because part two is going to be exciting. We'll get to talk about what teams are going to be here in Adelaide and also a bit more in depth about the Women's World Cup and what it means for Adelaide. I want to talk quickly about what's your role in this. You're the general manager of the Women's World Cup in Adelaide mm-hmm. and Legacy. We've spoken about the legacy part of it, but in, in regards to the World Cup that's going to be here next year, what um what kind of involvement do you have here in in south australia
1: yeah so that's a good one so um as i'm sure people are pr- probably fairly aware fifa actually uh, handles most of the things around teams and things like that happens in venues. So some of the work that o- has already been done before I got here, obviously in regards to venues and things like that. But as we progress, as teams start to come in, as we know who will be here, it's liaising with those teams, making sure they have what they need, uh, liaising with Event South Australia who have been brought on board as obviously the state body to take care of a lot of things like the fan fests that will be held in um and a lot of the other peripheral things that will happen. So it'll just be coordinating as much as we can to try to get as, as much as we can out to our and to the public and just be supporting those teams once they're here.
0: So you'll be very busy, I'm sure, once the, uh, the World Cup's here. You're going to be one of the busiest uh, women in the... Uh In South Australia, I'm I'm fairly sure.
1: (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, It'll it'll be such an exciting time and a lot of it uh, is still yet to come. Uh, So I'd say stay tuned and really for the general public and for football fans, please come out and support the events uh, as many as you can because, again, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us
0: to have this here in Adelaide absolutely and as we speak now the uh, the first event that's going to make it really feel real that it is coming to south australia is the draw that's happening this saturday what can we expect with uh, this this saturday down at service fm stadium
1: yeah, so please come and join us. We are running a just—it's a community event, so it should be really fun. Hopefully, the weather cooperates. Uh, but just really quickly, again, we've got uh, teams from South America, teams from uh, the African Nations Cup, all South Australian representatives of them that will be here playing five-a-side. We'll have our vision impaired women's team here playing as well, uh, and an opportunity to actually put the blindfold on and try to play blind soccer. And if you have never done that before, you should try, because it's really difficult (laughs) uh, and and a good challenge. Um, Then, of course, Adelaide United is here running an open training session. Uh, We'll have some interviews with some of the Adelaide United players and then move straight into the draw. So uh, most of the teams will come out uh, who we'll have here in Adelaide in the draw. But, of course, the last three remaining teams, we won't know who those will be qualifying for the World Cup until February when the final 10 teams take the, on the tournament in Auckland. So that'll be another really exciting day to look forward to in February. And then um, after the draw, we're going to be fortunate enough to have some expert commentators and panel members here to do some post-draw analysis on what we can expect uh, to see here in Adelaide, what type of football we might be seeing, uh, also what the Matildas can expect within their group. So uh, a pretty exciting day and we should be done and dusted by about 6.30 at night.
0: Beautiful. I'm looking forward to coming down. I'm actually going to try and leave work early just so I can be there in time for the, uh, the live draw and the panel as well. So I'm very excited that this is tournament's coming here to Adelaide and I'm looking forward to uh, Saturday as well. One of the first of the uh, many events, I'm sure, to come.
1: Yeah, we're really excited too. I can't quite believe it. So I'm glad that you're coming down and just invite the general public to come and have a look. should be a really good day.
0: Absolutely and uh, looking forward, part two, I'm going to talk to you a bit more in depth about the World Cup and anyone that has questions can reach out ahead of that because we'll be able to um, answer as many questions about this World Cup that's going to be here in Adelaide because I'm sure there's a lot of questions people want to know about and uh, what's going to be happening, what can we expect and uh, what kind of fun is going to be around in South Australia because I think there's going to be a real buzz around this uh, big event.
1: I think so too. And we'll talk about a little bit about how you can become a volunteer if you're interested. So FIFA will be recruiting specific role volunteers, which will be exciting. That'll come out in early November. And people that want to be involved and have their hands on the sport can put their hand up and jump online and sign up.
0: Absolutely. It's easy as well, because I've already signed up to uh, to be on the list. I've always had a dream of uh, work um, volunteering at a World Cup. So why not when it's here in Adelaide? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me, Kimberly. Make sure you keep an eye out for part two where we'll chat more in depth about the Women's World Cup in South Australia with the General Manager of Women's World Cup, Adelaide and Legacy at Football South Australia, Kimberly Conte. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow our Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.